Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. We're good. All right, folks. Actually, I just made, I forgot to put the SD card in, which is classic uh, Galen, but I just put the SD card in and I just dawned on me that this is the start. Let's try to do a math here. This is the start of year four of this. So I started in December of 18. So now we're all 19, all 20, all 21. So wow, the start of, so start three. Um, and one of my favorite guests, is, it, is this Four, three? Hell yeah. One of the favorite guests. Uh, three. <laughs> so That pumps me up. Mr. Mr. Bryce Hansen. No, dude. I, I remember the first time we did this, I was excited to have you on. And we had a really good conversation. And then I had you on again. We had another really good conversation. And then maybe again, or maybe this is the again. I don't know. But um, it's always a good time. This is number three. So it's all downhill from here. Three. So lucky three. So I'll never. So folks, if you have questions for Bryce, this is it. You're gonna get them in today, and that's <laughs> and we're done. Um, how you been, brother? Awesome. So you look good. good. You yeah. Look good. Thank you. Thank you. you how you, about you? You came in. Uh, I'm, I'm doing good, but you came in with like this cool like sweater on, hair looking just luscious, and uh, you just you really made a statement walking in, and I that didn't expect anything less from you. So uh, no, everything's good. Um, I'm excited. I have. A couple guests kind of like locked up. We had a couple cancellations beginning of the year. I think I told you we should have had like, it should be like number five of the year. And I think it's only number two, um, which is fine. But again, I like being super consistent with a lot of stuff. So, and when I get to talk to, there's a difference between guests. There's guests that I talk to that I don't know a lot of, and I'm trying to like really learn from them. So it's kind of like, I'm really intent on the conversation and trying to like learn and there's other ones where I know the person is just more casual and I don't feel like I have to like think as much and it's just more free flowing. Yeah. And you fit in the second category, which sometimes from a mental standpoint, is just a nice, easy going, like I just let things roll and just let it go. Yeah. It's it, funny you say that because I was looking at the guests that you've had and I mean, of course, this isn't like to throw anyone in a dumpster that's already been on, but Galen's been stepping up the game in terms of these guests coming on. Excuse me, we got people coming from all over. You've had people from all over the place on. People who are the head of this, that, or this. And then, you know, executive director over here. I love to see it. You know, I, uh, every once in a while, so I have a list of people that I want to have on. And I just kind of chip away through the bliss. And I'll just, and, and a lot of them are like repeat people too. So, like, I don't want to just yeah. always have new people because I do like having other people that have been on come back on a year later yeah, or nice. whatever. Just, it's a nice mixture for me. And, Typically, I find people that I, I have interest with, and I think because I have so much to do with like running the company that I, I find that I really am interested in other people that run companies because yeah. there's a lot of similarities. And, yeah. and, and I've had people that aren't like running a company, but which is just as fun, but I find like I naturally gravitate towards people that are similar positions just because it, we have some type 
something in common. So that's why, like you said, you get a lot of like executive directors or CEO or president or an owner or whatever. Yeah. Get them on and then kind of pick their brain. Um, I like learning from people too. So if I can, if I bring someone on that I think I can learn from, then I'm like, I would love to just, I don't know, maybe it's an easy way to get them in front of me where I can just ask them all my questions and have a selfish conversation to learn something. So I don't know. It's kind of a mixture. And I find that if I focus on that, like a lot of it, you know, I, I think, the theme I've talked about a, long, a lot for, about the podcast is just people that I want to talk to. So I'm not really getting people on that I think other people will like. It's more of do I think I want to sit down and talk to them for an extended period of time? Because I've had people that have asked to be on. I've had people that ask like, hey, can you have this person on? Mm. And then I kind of look into them or him or her. Not that they're bad people. It's just like I just – I don't know. I just don't really feel like it's not your time. vibe. Yeah. And it's that's not a bad a good thing way to them. do it. I think, um, I think that's a really good way to do it. That way, if you're talking to someone that you want to be talking to, that's obviously going to come way further across. That's like, if you go to your spouse's like company dinner uh-huh. and you got to talk to the homeboy that you have, like, you just gotta do it to be nice. Yes. Like for a podcast to me, at least you don't want to sit down and have a podcast just to be nice. Like just to be polite. Cause mm-hmm. that's weird. Like save that for 60 minutes, but, um, (laughs) like for you for this, because these, well, a lot of them, but especially yours, um, it's more stripped down, just more stripped down conversation. So if you're not into it, who knows? Or if someone you're talking to, I mean, you never know, maybe they're trying to, or maybe they have something that's a little too much to prove. Right. And like, this isn't quite it. This isn't quite the. I don't want to say platform, but this just isn't the setting for it. And if there's that concern, then there's going to be friction and you can always feel it. And then you can hear it when you're listening to it. Yeah. I don't, I could probably count maybe once or twice out of all the guests where I felt that the guest on probably didn't really want to be on it as much as like, I, and like I invited them and I found that they were, they would, they got through it, but I don't. I feel like they weren't as, in, I say invested, but like they're just going through the motions more than having a good time. Yeah, and I think, and I think some of whether or not they felt they had to say yes, or whether or not, and anybody can turn me down and say I don't want to come on. And I, I've had multiple people say they just don't feel comfortable coming on. Yep. And it's not that it's not like they don't like me. It's just I don't really want to talk for. I feel awkward doing it. I don't really want to talk about my career. I don't really want to talk about this or that. And it's like that's fine, man. I just like. You know, for me, it's just, you know, it's always a no unless you ask, you know? So it's like, just ask it. And if you say no, I'm not any worse off than I was if I didn't ask you. So it's more of, you know, for me, it's just reaching out to people and just saying, hey, can you come on? It'd be cool. I'd like to talk to you about these topics. If not, like I said, no harm, no foul. There's, there's plenty of people to talk to. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why, so you're talking about <clears throat> being more consistent. For me, I had started... I'm in that terrible list. I'm just another number now when it comes to people who had a podcast. I was going to talk to you about that. So I started one and then like like fell off a cliff bad, like hard. September. It just was, it just plummeted. It just plummeted to the ground with so nothingness. This is, this is figured out. Yes. Or is this a uh, road No, road no, no, no. no. F- figured out. Road time was one road that time. I did and that was tons of fun. But then I realized, like anything, you start something new and then you just wind up making mistakes. And the mistake that I made was thinking that talking that even though it was a short amount of time, like talking for that much, like three times a week. Yeah. Wound up being a lot and yeah. then it was too much. And then for me, I thought, well, I could do it once a week, but then that doesn't lend itself 
well to what I wanted for it, which was, you know, seven to 13 minutes. And that was it. And then doing that once a week, it can, but then you wind up having too much to think about. So maybe a twice a week would be better, but figure it out. I had a ton of fun with, it's completely on me. I actually have one interview that's sitting in the bank, not interview, conversation, that's sitting in the bank that I am ready to put out. It was a while ago, so I'll have to do that caveat, but I'm excited about it. And then I've already into the new year, not as a resolution, but just as a get your shit together. Mm -hmm. I started reaching back out, trying to schedule some more of these conversations so it can keep going. Because you and I have talked about this, something you might not realize is when you have these conversations, they can wind up being weirdly therapeutic. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because what we were talking about earlier, it's just stripped down Mm -hmm. or you're just in a forced but comfortable one-on-one because so many of the one-on-one conversations that you're having, uh, I guess just aren't quite like this. So maybe it's at a networking event and one person is just a little more guarded or they're thinking about the three people that they really wanted to see. For example, around here in Plattsburgh, think about cha- uh, think about the Chambers Business After Hours, wherever it is. I mean, you can close your eyes, you can picture yourself there, you're talking to someone, but you know that you'd love to see yada yada, you know, John Doe from XYZ Inc. Or you're talking about them, but in the back of both your minds, they're still like that there's something businessy about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I know somewhere at the, at the core of this, there's some potential mutual benefit. And then other times it's in line at Price Chopper and you're not going to go as in depth. How are you? How is your wife? How are the kids? Mm-hmm. This weather sucks, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm next in line. Time to check out. So this lets you get to a place, I think, that you, you don't, that you rarely are able to get to otherwise. Yeah, I think, well, so when I started, my favorite podcast is um, the Joe Rogan podcast. I've been listening to Joe Rogan for years now, um, maybe five or six years at least. Um, so I've heard a lot of conversations, and I always just like the idea of long form because I find, even to this day, I was listening to one on the way here, you know, about midway through one, and it's about a guy who owns a restaurant. I'm like, don't know the guy, but it's interesting, and I'm learning about stuff that I didn't know about. And I think when you start going long in depth, there's two things. One, you're sitting down with somebody. There's nowhere to hide, and not in a bad way, but I'm saying like you can have a conversation. It's not yeah, like you don't only feel like you have to run somewhere. Yep. It's like we have time blocked off. I have nothing else to do. You have nothing else to do. Let, let's sit down and talk. Um, very, very, very rarely do I have my phone on me. Partly just because I don't have that like that thought to check my phone. It's just yep. more of like, I'm good. Like, you know, I know we have X amount of time. I kind of play the time back cause I can see this timer, but okay. I can't like, I can't see yeah, my yeah, phone. Yeah. yeah. So it allows me just to know, like I'm aware of the time I'm aware of how long we're talking. Um, you know, and I, I, I might look down two dozen times during the conversation quickly just to kind of see where we're at. Um, just more to respect the person's time that's, that's with me. If I know like, okay, we're approaching two hours and I told him two hours, I don't want to drag this on for two forty-five. And exactly. Yeah. Uh, but the benefit I find is that when you're talking to someone in a long form conversation and it's stripped down and again, you're bringing it back to the, uh, the initial human interaction. Like if you go back thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, the only way people communicated was through talking. 
They talk around a campfire. They talk while they're sitting outside their house or talking while they're hunting. They're, it's just they're communicating, whatever. And I think, you know, obviously the way that life's gotten where people call, text, email, you know, DM, all these ways for people to to communicate now, you know, and I think some people go by default. And I'm, again, I'm the same. I, business today, I probably have reached out to 30, 40 people. I've probably called two of them. Because some of the times it's just like, I can just send out a quick email, not my preferred method, but sometimes if I just want to just rattle a bunch of things out, I just resort to that because of convenience. Um, and also on twofold, because the person receiving it, they might be busy. And I found that over, the, this is kind of an aside, but I found that over time over the last decade, people are less likely to pick up their phone and they would prefer that you just text or email because like they're like me. Like I'm with doing stuff. I'm with the kids. I'm with the family. I'm whatever. I'm at work. Let me just shoot you a couple quick texts and we're good to go. You can just tighten that. I'm good. That that one right below there, Bryce, this little piece right here. Nope. Keep going back towards the silver right there if you need to tighten that. Oh, no, no. It's good Okay, now. you're fine. Um, yep. So that's, that's kind of the, the thought process behind it is that if you strip it back down to just tip like – normal human conversation, which is just talking. Obviously you have a mic, you know, recording it for other people to hear, but if you were to strip everything away and we were just sitting down having a coffee or, or seltzer or whatever, and we're just chit chatting, it'd be the same thing. We have the same conversation, Yeah. you know? And I think that the idea is it allows people to expand. It allows people to have thoughts. It allows you to think about something. You talk about therapeutic, like you can listen to something I say, make a connection, add your input, and then all of a sudden we keep building off of that. And then a lot of times I'll leave this conversation, or whoever the guest is, um, smarter, I've gained knowledge, or clearer, I've gained better understanding on certain things. Yeah, like some insight. Yeah, you bring up a good point, because the other thing is there are a lot of people who say a lot of uh, nonsense, right? That just like you wind up talking to in the course of the day, so with this you're able to pick who you talk to. Yeah. But there's a lot of, I mean, they either say nonsense or... Hey, even though talking is a baseline form of communication, when they talk, I mean, they're just super boring. Those people are out there, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just something, I don't know if it's the, uh, a lack of inflection in their voice yeah, or a be. lack of facial expression, but it's it, just like, you gotta give me something. I Stonewall. Yeah. Those are the hardest people because you're, you're, you're trying to draw out the conversation. Yes. And you're like... They'll make a point, yeah, and then they just they just stop, mm -hmm. and they'll look at me kind of like with a blank stare of like, oh, okay, so then ask them another question. And the, realistically, if you were to break this down, the sweet spot of most of these conversations is where I talk forty to fifty percent, and the guest talks fifty to sixty percent. Is in my eyes where it's close to fifty. Yeah, 50, that's fair. But I prefer maybe air a little bit more on the guest. Of course, and and I think. Even getting to 25-75 or 80-20 where it favors the guest that much, I think takes away from a conversation. Because I don't – this is not an interview. I don't bring people on and grill them with a bunch of questions. I'll yes. ask you questions. But I want to hear you talk. I then want to talk. I want to hear you talk. I want to talk. And I want to have this back and forth. And – Typically, the guest drives the conversation because they're different. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a fixed guest. I'm a fixed um, personality of the podcast. So, yeah. you know, whatever I talk about over podcasts, at the end of the day, if people listen to all of these, they're going to know a lot about me. 
But if I bring you yep. on and you've done only three of 179 of them, yeah. then I would much rather talk about stuff Humble that you like to right talk there. about or things that you, we have in common because then it's just a different version of myself yeah. and it's also drawing the, your experiences into the conversation. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and now that we've done the 101 breakdown of the anatomy of a podcast mm -hmm. and hopefully no one at the wheel of a car wound up, you know, falling asleep. And if you did, you probably woke up in a ditch right now. So I hope you're doing okay. Um, what else is going on? Well, how uh, are you? I'm good. So my, um, basically 2022 for kind of like breaking stuff down. I've taken a lot of, uh, I think it's a big conversation to have with you. I took, I've taken a lot of time over, I'd say since beginning of November till now. So we're pushing two and a half months of okay. really like dissecting myself, you know, like, and, and when I say myself, it's like myself with everything that's, um, take myself as like the, let's call it the axle of the wheel. And then the spokes going off to all different parts of my life. Yeah. And then really kind of finding the epicenter, which is myself and then saying, okay, can I figure out, you know, what do I want to do? What do I want to focus on? What do I want to evolve into? How do I have to change? What, you know, and a lot of these questions I've been um, kind of working through and in-depth kind of conversations, like challenging myself and having thoughts that where I'm really like forcing myself to think um, with the idea that I'm drawing out a better understanding of myself, a more awareness for myself in the sense of, you know, where do I, where do I excel? Where do I struggle? Where's opportunity? Where, what should I cut? What should I, you know, eliminate? And a lot of this was just reflecting on, okay, like, here's my goals. These are things that I hope to accomplish. Okay. In order to accomplish them, what do I have to do daily, weekly, yearly to accomplish those goals? And then looking at, okay, what, Am I doing those? And if I'm not doing those, yeah. where's the gap to get to that level? Like what? And then in order to, to basically close that gap where my actions are matching up with my ambitions, in order to close those gaps, it's like, okay, let me look at my day. Let me look at my week. Like how do I have to break stuff down? What might I have to put less time into? What might I have to put more time into? Where yeah. might I have to sacrifice in order to put more um, focus on certain aspects? And I've spent a lot of time and it's not easy to do because what you're doing is one, you're trying to get a better understanding. So there's a lot of input coming into my brain of learning about myself and learning about other things and learning about, okay, how does this all intertwine? And then once I feel like I have enough of an input, then it's like, okay, let me just figure everything out. Almost like the internal algorithm of my life. Like, let me figure how everything out and then let me actually put it, like pull it out of my brain put it down on paper, sketch it out, tweak it, you know, figure everything else out and then start putting it in play. And then once I have the pillars of what I want to do each day, week, month, then I have to execute on those ideas. And simple one, very simple one. So people are like, oh, this is very vague, Galen, like get more specific. So yeah, but no. And then a quick pause break. So that way we can check the scoreboard so far, you know, if you're keeping score at home, what we're talking about here, by we, I mean what Galen is walking us through, if I'm understanding this correct, so correct me if I'm wrong, we're doing a few things. There is a self-audit that is taking place that requires a concentrated effort to opening yourself up 
to being genuinely self-aware. Correct. Sweet. Now we do that and it's arduous and you go through the movie montage where you're finding yourself and you lifted the trunk of the tree in the snow in Russia. But now we put it, but yep, I love this. And then now we put it on paper Mm -hmm. because you are a big person who writes things down Mm -hmm. that I remember from past conversations, which is a great exercise because it, it, it actually draws it out of you Mm -hmm. and then it allows you to articulate stuff for yourself, but then you use it. If I'm remembering this, and then this is from our past conversations, you, when you write things down, you write them down for much more than the exercise of getting it out of you. Mm -hmm. You then like to be able to use it as a reference. And a resource. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, what did I write back in January? Or Mm -hmm. what was I thinking back in January? Or I've got all these spokes off of the center axle. Mm -hmm. What did I want to do? And that way you can go back and use it. So that's where we are. Galen's written it down. And now, oh, baby, we're on pins and needles for the specifics. I'm ready. What's the specific? So, well, like I'll give an example. Yes. Basically, the... The whole idea was what you were start long term, and this this is an exercise if people want to do this, and 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 if anybody wants more help on this, or I say help, I'm not. If anybody wants more information on what I did, and if it can help you, great. If you have a better way to do it, great. Like here's this is what I did. Yeah, GalenTrumbly.com. Three low payments of forty nine ninety five. You too can find yourself in twenty twenty two. Or at Galen Trumbly and all. In all, all social media yes, handles. That's my so, favorite. Um, just slide into the DM. So if if you look at it, the idea is basically writing down and picturing where you want to be. Like down the road. Like what do you want? You know, what what do you want your life to look like? What do you want to accomplish? What do you want? You know, what, what certain things do you want to attract into your life? And this is the law of attraction, this is the law of visualization. Oh, it's kind of yes. like the idea of what 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 can I picture myself looking like? Um and I did I long-term goals, but then you break it down from long-term to like a three to five-year plan to like a one-year plan down to like a month down to a week kind of thing. And you keep reverse engineering the big plan back down where the big plan might be a vague theme because because it's, 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 I'm 32. This could be 50 years down the road. So it's a vague plan, but you work it really back down saying to order to accomplish that, like what should I, what's a, a pretty, uh, I say lofty, but like what would be a major milestone to accomplish, say, in three years to hit that? And mm-hmm. three years is not that far off if you really think about it. Like, no. I mean, I just talked about this is starting year four of the podcast. I'm like, oh my God, is, how's this year four already? So it really can go pretty fast. So if you look at, I, I broke down everything and said, like, this is what I want to accomplish in three years and how I want my life to look like and how I want, you know, and that's personal, that's business, that's physical, that's everything I can think of about myself. Like, how do I want this to actually look like? Okay, is it great? From there, then bringing it back down to, okay, if I had to look at that, what should I focus on each day, week, month, year that is going to have that high impact on my life? Like responding to emails is not a high impact project on my life. You know, when I, when you actually look at the grand scheme of it, meaning that's a to do, that's a task. I can literally, I can do mindlessly um, do some of those tasks. So this is like, where am I really putting focus, energy, brain power, um, into certain things? So I listed out kind of main pillars that I needed to work or I would need to do from that. I basically circled 
my top three things. Like if I had to pick three things that really drove the ship for me, what are these three things? And this, and this is more on a personal level. So I'll do personal and business. So on a personal side, I looked at where do I want to have like my time with my family? Kind of put that in. Like when do I, what do I want to say no to in order to have this time with my family? And that means like, do I say, you know, no to stuff on the weekends? Do I say no to stuff on, you know, certain in evenings and things like that to be around with my wife and my kids? So that was very important to me. So I put that in. Then number two was I, I needed to redefine and structure my morning routine better than I had. I used to have a very good morning routine, got away from it with, well, one, when we started working from home with COVID, it kind of got a lot more lax because we didn't really have to do anything. Exactly. Then I fell into this vicious habit of, well, I broke a routine and I don't really have a solid routine. And then we went into the summer of just, which is 2020 of just absolute craziness, at least in my work. Um, and that basically led up to me having our third or my wife giving birth to our third child. Um, and that brought its own level of craziness to back, you know, in. so then I found like, okay, something's broken. So I have to redefine what I want a morning routine to look like. And in that morning routine, I, I'm throwing stuff that I had neglected. I threw, I'm like trying to throw in working out, trying to throw in reading, trying to throw in some stuff that I think is going to allow me to be a better person, but I can do that early in the morning before anybody wakes up. And that's my time. That's like for, for me. So that's like the initial stuff I threw in. And then from the business standpoint, then it was like, what do I have to focus on the company in order to have the largest impact on the company? You know, and that's, like I said, it's not answering an email. Like if I had to really pick big, like one of the things is working in the morning on like major projects that I want to get done that day. And it might not be anything. It could literally be sending an email out. It's just like, what is a major thing I want to accomplish today that I know by doing it's going to have a bigger impact than just a quick. Oh, okay. So if I was to send you an email being like, Hey Bryce, you good for the podcast on this date. That's not that sending like an all hands on deck kind of email to everybody saying, listen, this is like what we're going to do for the next three months. And I sent one this morning. This is what we're going to do basically the next three months. I sent it to the staff, wrote down everything. I want you guys to do this. This is what we're going to meet on this. Boom, 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 boom. Here's our points. We're going to basically all line on this topic or this focus. And we're all going to go all hands on deck on that until we have that set in stone. And then at that point, reevaluate what's the next thing to tackle. So really it's like finding these big high impact projects that I deem would be allow would be allowing us to follow like our North star of where we want to drive the ship. So instead of just showing up and then all of a sudden start answering emails, calls, texts, getting, you know, getting, just being reactive from day. Like it said, it's like roll in, be very proactive beginning of the day, do what I need to get done. And then all the other stuff that I know is going to come in that can wait an hour, can wait three hours, can wait five hours. I'll get to. And that was just me being disciplined and saying, I, there's stuff that I just have to get a little better control of my time and have a little bit more discipline in my time to be able to accomplish the stuff I need to accomplish instead of feeling like I'm drowning every day in just activity, but it's not like it's activity. That's almost like a, uh, uh, what's the word? Like a, a torpedo, like a, or, um, a title, not a tidal wave. What's, what's the, uh, water Is that torpedo? What's where water spins a cyclone is a cyclone or a water spout. What What's the thing where or water, a, like a, or a hurricane, like when water, just a vortex. Well, you know what I mean? Like just the spinning spin, like oh, you're, in the water, like a whirlpool, whirlpool. Is that it? Oh, what is it called? I'm going to say whirlpool because it sounds like water. Yeah, there's a whirlpool. That's not it, though. 
But I it's, know what you mean. But it's the idea the water, of it goes spinning, and then you, uh, then you get sucked down into the hole. I want to say like torpedo, made. not torpedo, like not a tornado. Torpedo. It's like a tornado. Like think of a tornado. Not we'll go above water, but you're just spinning out of control. That's what I felt like for a lot of last year because I just had a lot of responsibilities and a lot of things just kind of crescendoed all together, and I was overwhelmed. So I had to really kind of take a step back and say, okay, listen, like I can't keep living where every day is like a tornado where you basically get up and you're just spun around and then shot back out. And like, that's every day because there, I was just getting hit from a million different directions between uh, work, between clients, between kids, between, you know, everything else that you could deal with. And then as I'm like, okay, I got to put a pause button. I got to take some time to myself. I got to kind of take a step back. Yeah. That's take, take like a, take like a bird's eye view and say, what's okay. broken here? What needs work? Yep. So sorry, that was a very long rant, but, that's what I've been focusing on. The last well, I mean, months. you painted a picture. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Can definitely follow it. And the other thing to add then on top of your self-awareness and self-audit is the reverse engineering. Mm-hmm. Cause that's the other thing. Cause you're talking about like, I want to be able to do this. So what needs to happen? And then what do I need to do to be able to make that happen to then hit this lofty goal? That's 10, 30, according to you, 50 years from now. Yes. Yeah. So that's just the old re- reverse engineer. Yeah, and anybody can do it. I think the biggest thing is just being aware enough to know that you have to audit yourself at times. And and I'm and again, I'm not. This is just me. I don't know if other people have to do this. You know, if people can, they don't have to. I think you know. I just think that I work best when I have um, something to work towards. You know, like I, I don't like waking up and just going through the motions. Like I have to be working towards something. I have to be learning and improving. Yeah, you feel better. You know, well, it's more purposeful. Okay. Like I have a purpose to do something. Yes, and here it is. In case you haven't done this yet and you're thinking about doing it because I've led days both ways. You know the day where it's just tough getting out the door Mm -hmm. and then you just like barely make it into the office. There's that feeling, right? But then there are the other days where you look good. I mean, and you know it. For you, this is like 90% of the time. You know, I appreciate that. Um, You... But you know, I mean, your outfit is on and it, by on, I mean, it looks good and you feel good in it. You were on time with everything. So you stopped and bought yourself a coffee. I'm not talking about the coffee you made at home because that kind of feels cool. But it, it feels different when you walk into the office holding Starbucks. Yeah. I don't know what it is about Starbucks because there are a lot of other coffees specifically around here that I like better. Mm Mm-hmm. But there's just something about that just brand. damn it's like, yeah. white cup that means business. So you walk in, you're feeling good, you're looking good, you got the coffee, you walk in, hopefully you know what I'm talking about if you're listening. That's what happens when you're proactive with the first hour of your workday and the first two hours of your morning. That is the different feeling you get because I am a space commander. Like, and by that, I mean, I'm a space cadet. I forget stuff. Stuff is frazzled. So I need to actively try to take control of my morning at home. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I walk back in the house. I get in the car. Ah, I forgot my phone. Go get my phone. I forgot my wallet. Go get my wallet. Oh, I forgot. I told Jess I was going to put this in the mail. Jess is my wife. So I go back in again. And now I'm late. And now I'm not feeling good. Same thing as when you, to me, when you walk in the office and the first thing you do is open your email to see what you're going to do first. Mm-hmm. Walk in knowing what you're going to do first. It feels so good. 
it feels so good just to walk in and know I'm doing this, this, and this. Even if that second thing is a hard-ass conversation you don't want to have because it's something that's not going well or it's someone who you don't jive with or it's someone who you spent all night worrying about how they're going to react, which is also really dangerous because you don't know Mm -hmm. how they're going to react. Even if that is the second thing you do, knowing that those are the things you're going to do and then you open up the email to see what's come through this, that, it feels like that. It feels like you are walking in, in a new outfit, new shoes, fresh cut, Starbucks coffee. Do you have a, do you have a morning routine? Yeah. So, I mean, you have like, you wake up consistently, you have kind of stuff you do each yep. morning. That's yep. Yeah. Best thing again is that I can hone it a little better again because I caught, well, these are all excuses, which can happen. It's lame. So I'm not using these as excuses. I'm just explaining what happened. This was a reality. This is the reality. The reality is I did let them become excuses, but I got COVID. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the, yeah, put me as one of the numbers. I got COVID. I got it. I'm Beat that shit. It was nothing. It? How Recently? was it for you? Uh, I got it about a year ago. That's the question if you're in the club. Um, if you're not in the club, you're not really missing so, out on much. My COVID, I got it. Uh, my COVID. So when I got COVID, that's the, my, COVID my COVID story. My COVID story. <laughs> um, so no, I, I got COVID in February, late February of 2020. I went into oh, early March. Ago. About a year ago. Um, I woke up one morning and I had like my back like was sore, not sore, but it was like achy and yeah, like just heavy and almost like I had worked out the day before. Yep. But again, we just went back to, it. I was not working out. So I knew it was not because I was working out. <laughs> so it was like this like muscle achy. And I was like, God, it felt like, like did I, my initial thought was did I do something yesterday. Like it would be like snow plowing. Exactly. And like the next day, you're like, walking through. Why am I sore? Yeah, like, oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, I spent yeah, yeah, two yeah. hours snow plowing yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So Chopping in my head, work. I was like, what did I do yesterday that would make like my back and everything just really tired? And I remember sleeping in like rather late, probably till like nine o'clock on like a weekday. Like, like the kids were kind of all psyched. I wasn't going crazy. So I'm like, I'm just like kind of tired. So I laid down and I didn't get up. And then I like walked out in the living room and I remember like laying in the chair and I told my wife, like, man, my, I just feel like really like, t- like sore. Like I'm a, I just feel like achy and not thinking anything about COVID. So I ended up, um, we ended up going running some errands, everything else. I come back to, the house put the kids down for a nap and i'm like i told my wife i'm like I, i'm gonna go take a nap like i just don't like i just feel really tired and like just like just not there like i feel tired so i ended up going and laying down i napped for probably four or five hours like ow i, I like that is past a, my kids that is a sleep yeah i probably napped from like 1 30 to 5 30 6 o'clock yeah oh yeah like i woke up I, I end up we I think we got pizza I think my like mom or sister came over or something we had pizza hanging out like feeling all right put the kids to bed then I was like in bed by nine and I laid in bed from nine o'clock p.m. I got out of bed at three p.m. the next day and like in between like I I basically got up to like go to the bathroom yeah and my wife came in I was like how do you feel you should probably go get tested I'm like yeah schedule and she goes you can't get we can't get you in until four o'clock today. So I literally laid in bed to like the time I had to leave and it was, I was achy, but nothing really hurt. Like, I mean, I, it was one of those, I just felt like tired. I felt like low energy and yeah, I felt run down, s- run down sore. Yeah. Where it's like, I just need this. I just like need extra rest. Yeah. And went, 
basically I walked right in. I'm like, I have this thing. So I like walked in, I'm like, test me. She's like, well, your health department, they'll call you in like two to three days. So if we don't hear from us, then you don't have it. Well, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll hear from you in two days. Cause I know like there's, I never have these symptoms. And I had pretty much every symptom minus the loss of smell and loss of taste. I did not lose either. And sure enough, they called me a day and a half later. You got COVID. I'm like, ding, ding, ding. You yeah. and I'm I like, said, yeah, I know. I'm, yeah, I'm like, yep. Okay. Well, which is good. But I'm like, when's my time um, start? So I ended up like kind of hanging out in our basement. We have like a room down there with a bed yep. and stuff. So kind Guests of in your own house. Yeah, pretty much. Um, chilled down there. The first day I was sore. Just like it was, it was like sore, but it was just like, I wasn't actually going to say sore. My hips were sore sleeping a little bit, like a little uncomfortable, but it was almost like a dull pain. It wasn't like sharp. It was just like, oh, I just kind of feel a little, okay. a little like my, just a little body ache, it, okay. but it wasn't a body ache where I was like, I can physically not move. It's like, I could move. It's just like, oh man, I just feel like I have my, like my, almost like your, uh, like growing pains. Yep. Remember as a kid having growing pains, it was kind of like that where it's just like this naggy kind of like, oh, yeah, it feels uncomfortable, but it doesn't hurt. It like, it doesn't like physically hurt. It's just kind of annoying. So that was it. I laid down, um, I mean, it was just like low energy. It was like, I just feel like laying down today and doing nothing. And I had a little bit of a cough, but it wasn't anything like, I wasn't coughing anything up. It was like, I was just coughing here. And it was sporadic. I might cough for like 10 minutes and I wouldn't cough for 10 hours. Um, yep. And then that was pretty much the extent of it. And then I would say after the second day, I was fine. And I basically hung out in the basement for about eight days. I watched all of Ozark. I just kind of chilled. Um... Then I felt fine. I ended up coming back to work the day I was able to come back to work. Silly me. I basically started working at seven and got home at like eight at night, like went full bore, went from nothing to hundred, hundred. And I did that for about three or four days in a row. And basically by the middle of the afternoon, my eyeballs were burning yeah. like about one, two o'clock. I was just so exhausted because, and I don't think it was because of, I think it was just purely for the fact that I did nothing for 10 days and I just thought I could be like Superman and go back to my normal schedule. And, uh, and then the worst part about it. So that one like was probably the worst, like the worst of it, which is just, I was physically exhausted by like one o'clock, two o'clock where I was just getting coffee to like pop myself back up. Yep. Um, and that was it. And then pretty much the only thing that I experienced for about two to three months post, COVID was I did experience that brain fog that people talk about and that basically went away sometime probably in May of that year and then I've been fine since okay so that's my story how was your story and you're sticking to it I didn't even know there was a thing called brain fog did you get it no well I mean I've had it since I was like six <laughs> It better not be a symptom. You're looking at you're looking at patient number one right here. If brain fog is a symptom, holy lord. Um, yeah, so I was I just same thing. I just felt run down, kind of achy. Well, during the day I just felt run down, and then when I got home, I was suspicious later in the evening if something was up because mm-hmm. I started to feel the ache, which for me is the sick ache. I know it can't fight it. You get a little ache and I know I'm coming down with something. Yeah. Yep. So I was talking to my parents on the phone, just catching up. And then I went downstairs to let the dogs out. Somehow, luckily my boys were out of the house at a sleepover at their grandparents, let the dogs out. And I was cold to the bone, like fever chill. Oh, I didn't know that yet, but yeah, I was frozen letting the dogs out. 
Like you felt cold or you had like a sweats? I felt cold. Okay. No sweats. Just felt freezing. Then the dogs came back inside. By the time I walked upstairs, so we're talking the, um, I don't know, less than five minutes. I walk, by the time I get to the top of the stairs. And I am, nobody was at the house but you at this point. Uh, Jess was. Okay. Jess had just got home. Um, when I got back to the top of the stairs, I was on fire. On fire hot. You know those Mr. Christmases? Wow. That claymation movie? Mm-hmm. The hot miser or heat miser and then his brother with the big nose. I liked it. Good, the good. cold miser. That was me. I was both. <laughs> and it was terrible. So when I came upstairs and felt on fire, I was like, son of that sucks. So I took my temperature. It was elevated, like 100.5 maybe. I was like, damn, I bet I got the vid. So I did the at-home test, shoved that chip right up my nose. I know how to do it because of how many we've had to take, right? You put it in your nose, five circles on this side. I've never, I never took my own. The, oh, dude, I've been tested once. <sighs> let me walk you through it then. It's real easy. I'm one for one on testing and getting it. So yeah, I'm doing well. Dynamite, batting a 1,000. For exactly what you don't want. <laughs> but now, like I've said, my antibodies have to be jacked. I, I can, apparently too, because like I could go back, I, I can like lick doorknobs for the next 90 days. Because like the 90 days oh, yeah, after you have it, I, right. apparently you're just a specimen. Like you might as well be one of the X-Men because like, yeah. you've you mutated. You swim through it. But fine. only for 90 days. But then, yeah, so I took my temperature. That was it. Did the at-home test. I got the double line, which... You know, if you've had these tests, you know what the double line means. You see the second line. Yep. It means you better figure out your gender reveal plans quick. (laughs) We're going to shoot a cannon with powder in it. No, that means you got the vid. And so then told Jess, I said, well, I got it. Oh, seriously? I was like, no, fakely. Yes, seriously. I have it. And then the next day went in, got the test and then did that and I was in the basement too but other than that it, it was it was just like you said How I just felt was uh, uh, it was the last week of December okay just after Christmas which is the last week of December yeah, yeah that, so it was right in there checks out yeah so uh yeah but then other than that I didn't have any fever anything else other than that night the only thing I had the rest of the time was just feeling worn down yeah for like five days yep. but then a couple days in, I realized one of the reasons I felt so wore down is because I wasn't doing a damn thing. That's it. Yep. So I started to go outside and I did my old, old lady laps. You know, you got to get your fresh air, but you, you can't go far. In. Yep. Right around the driveway. I just did laps in my driveway. I'm not, I'm being serious. Cause like, I like, you got to move a little bit. Yeah. Like this is an issue that happens with people at a variety of ages. You get hurt. And then other health issues pop up because you're not moving. You're just sitting there. So everything just sits. Mm-hmm. So I got up, started walking around. Um, and that was it. Yeah, I, I think, um, I don't know. It, it, it's always tough. You know, I think, you know, and I do think that some of the stuff I look at when I, obviously when I got it, it was early 30s. I would say, you know, in decent enough shape that it, no, that's, you know, it. that's you're and, young and in good health. Yeah. Which, it was, it was one where I looked at it. Like I think the, and everybody's different. It's like, I think there's obviously with kids in school right now, it's like, there's two trains of thought, but I kind of keep seeing, and I'm sure your kids have been affected by it. Like having to stay oh, yeah. home or cancel oh, yeah. or whatever hybrid. Oh yeah. And, uh, we're lucky. We only have one kid in school right now, which is just preschool, but he's missed probably five weeks already this year. Just, 
because of because COVID of stuff. stuff and uh, yeah, and and technically he has not gotten it. So every time there's an outbreak, he can't stay in school. So like some of the kids they had an outbreak, half the class got COVID, half the class didn't. He was one that didn't. didn't. Yeah. So now anytime there's an outbreak because they're in that 90 day window, the kids that have it can still go to school. Can stay. He's got to come. He's got to go home. I think he probably had it when I had it because everybody in my family had some type of kind of rundown sickness at that time. Okay. But I was the only one that went and got tested yeah. because the rest of us, we just chilled around the house. So it's like, well, we could bring everybody to get tested, but we're, we're just hanging at the house anyway. You were so already really, handling it. You were already being responsible. There's nothing else you can do but sit there and, and just like quarantine and let it pass through. So exactly. we just did it. My kids had like some stuffy noses. This was back in when I had it. So my guess is there's a good chance that he got it. My wife got it. Um, you know, because he's been around people that have had COVID, hasn't got it. My wife's been around people with COVID, has not got it. Dude, so it's that that's the roulette game. Yeah. So when I got it, no one else in the house got it, and by no one else in the house got it, I know I know unless someone was purely asymptomatic because nothing else happened. Yeah. My older son Carson got it in November, this past November. Okay. Yep. No one else in the house got it. Somehow. Yeah. It's it's this weird, no rhyme, no reason. It just happens or it doesn't happen. Well, people always say like, well, who'd you get it from? Like, Impossible. Don't I don't know. Like, That's yeah. the thing that's bugged me. Maybe, uh, I don't want to say the most because it's a knee-jerk thing. That health it. In this moment, right now, the thing that bugs me is like the dirty connotation that comes, that has come with it. Mm-hmm. Is that like, if you got it, you did something wrong. Yeah. And that's bugged me because you didn't. Maybe yeah. you didn't do anything wrong. Maybe you just happen to get it. Like I know for me personally, I was never worried about myself getting it. Yeah, same. I had zero concern. I don't know if that's a blind ignorance or back to the 17-year-old, you're invincible. Mm-hmm. Like put me on a motorcycle, on a tightrope, going 200 miles an hour. I'm not going to fall. It, I got it. I just had a feeling I'm in good health. I'm young. It's not going to be a thing. I was careful be out of respect for other people in my life that had a different view than I did. Correct. And yep. I value their comfort more than I valued pressing my opinions down their throat. Correct. And then I also had the concern, the health concern for my wife and kids, mm-hmm. right? My wife has asthma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't know exactly how it affected her if she got it. And uh, both my boys have been on nebulizers in their younger years. Every winter, like clockwork, except for the last one and this one, we've had at least one of the boys on a nebulizer multiple times in the winter. So there's something respiratory there. So out of a genuine care for the three of them, that's why I was like as, I don't know, like cautious, but just as aware as I was about the washing hands, the you know, sanitizing surfaces if we need to, Mm -hmm. the minding your distance with people, you know, all of that. It was because of them, no doubt. Because again, if it was just me, whatever. Like I'm going to get it and I'm going to be, and I agree, I I agree with whomever out there is possibly lifting that, yeah, that was reckless. Probably, uh, sorry, not my actions. That thought probably is reckless. That thought probably is naive, but it's also the truth. I just felt like it wasn't going to be a thing for me. I, I think the, uh, well, so I'll get to that. So the first, the only two times during, from the start to now, where I was concerned about 
COVID, like me getting COVID from a, again, from like a selfish standpoint of me physically getting it was at the very onset, March 20th, when they told us we had to shut down till. Yeah. That was weird. Yeah. I would say from March 20th through end of April, early May. So about six weeks where I was like, nobody really knows what the hell's going on. Like it's like doomsday out there. You don't know. Like I was nervous to go to the grocery store. Like, I'll be honest. I was, I didn't, cause we didn't have any, there was really no like actual good facts about it. Everybody was like, get like people were just saying what they thought it was. And a lot of it was hypothetical. And a lot of people, Oh, were, you ain't kidding. We cleaned bags and food from the grocery store yeah. before we brought them in the house. Oh yeah. Like, absolutely. I think from then to now, that's how wild it because, because it was like, I don't know. I don't know what this is, mm-hmm. and then everyone's gonna remember. I don't know what the hell happened with toilet paper. Th- that never, Do you remember that? That was yeah. That was a little like I, it was the, like everyone just like just stocked up on toilet paper. Yeah. When to I mean, quite we, frankly, having the runs was not even a symptom yet. The early ones, all it was was yeah, guess what? You're not gonna smell a thing. You're not gonna taste a thing. Yeah. You're gonna feel like crub. No one mentioned diarrhea. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, there's no toilet paper. Yeah, I don't. I, that, that was always that bizarre. one was a weird one, and, and realistically, it, it it like leveled out like two weeks later when all the companies that made toilet paper was like, okay, we'll just make more toilet paper. Like that's what it's good. It's good business for them, you know. And uh, but early on, I was I was not like in the scared category. I was more in the I don't know what's going on. I'm just gonna be responsible and cautious and just make sure that me and my family, everybody's good. Yeah. Because I'm just looking at what everybody was saying is blah, blah, blah. Like this is this thing. So I was very, um, I would say very responsible from the end of March until I would say about the beginning of May. And then once May started, then it was like a lot of conflicting things were coming out. And then you were starting to find that like people were getting it, but then they were like, people were fine. Some weren't, but some were. And then, you know, so there was a kind of all over the place. And I was like, well, I'm not as like freaked out if I was to talk to somebody, you know, like I, I felt like, you know, early on, like I wouldn't really want to talk to you in person over those first few weeks. But then once I hit the May and you're like, if I was to bump into you, I would talk to you and not feel like yep. you have the cooties or something. Yep. So then the other time that I was very cautious was my son was like due date. Basically when he got to about a month out from being due, I got nervous because I had, and I don't know if this was true or not. I was hearing that hospitals weren't letting in the the husband, father, whatever of the baby yeah. if you had COVID. Yeah. So in my head was like, I'm going to be pissed if I can't be at the delivery of my son. Oh, live it. Live it. That's like game over. So that was where I got really, like I started to like kind of distance from people. I yep. wasn't out and about as much. Um, and it, it worked out fine. But um, what was funny was he was born in January and I ended up getting it a month later. So it was like, that was the only other time where I got really nervous. And after he was born, I'm like, I could care less. Like, I mean, I was just in the sense of, I just want to make sure that I wasn't missing out on that because I would have been told by the hospital, you cannot go in. Yeah. So that was something that bought that, that freaked me out. Um, minus that I haven't like, I think we said it's about before at the very early stage of it, there were some people like, well, screw this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, listen, I'm at, even from the, like, a couple of weeks into it, it kind of got to the point where I was like, I'm not worried if I get it. Like, I'll, I think I'll be fine. I was worried about having it maybe asymptomatic and then spreading it to someone that couldn't 
care like couldn't uh, like you said someone that had a underlying exactly. condition or someone that was older like I didn't want to go near my grandparents in case they had it and I thought that that would be irresponsible of me to be like I feel good but I'm just going to go near my elderly grandparents and have them catch it and then pass away because I caught this because yep. I was being careless yep. so that was more of like the responsibility of I don't know how you know legitimate this this disease is I don't know how you know potent this disease is but I said at the end of the day if one of the possible symptoms or possible negative consequences or whatever is that an older person could die from it. I don't want to be the burden that brought that on that person. But so, yeah, so that was like the other thing that was more of a respect factor to other people. Then since day one and even to this day, if somebody, and this goes both ways and this is what bothers me the most about it. Okay. Is the whole thing with COVID is that it's gotten to the point where it's divided people. And it's gotten to the point where people that um, people that are uncomfortable with it are uncomfortable with it, and people that are people think that it's bullshit, like stick with that that they don't think it's a legitimate thing. And I look at it as everybody's entitled to their opinion, and what you shouldn't do. And this is from the start. And this is just natural. Like if you and me disagree on something, we can have a conversation about it. But I shouldn't be berating you and saying that you have to see it the way that I see it. Dude. And that's been the biggest pet peeve of mine. And I've seen people from both sides where I literally want to punch both people in the face because I'm like, either side, you need like, this is this is dumb. I'm not wearing a mask around you. I'm not doing whatever. And then you have the other people that are like, you're not wearing a mask. Don't come in my house. And it's like, which is fine. Then just don't go in their house. Or if you like, they're asking you to wear a mask in their house, be respectful. Like it, And that was it. It's just be respectful to people yeah. based on their comfort level. And if you disagree then don't go see them or don't go do something. Yeah, this would be way more entertaining if I disagreed with you. But you, you yeah. But I agree with I you th- 100%. Because and I think majority of people do. Like, it's like- I, I, okay, so I guess the other thing that this has done for me is also realize like how like pro just like individual choice I am about yeah, stuff absolutely. like – in in general, mm-hmm. which I know, depending on how political you are, that starts you. I don't know. You start casting out like labels because love doing that of like uh, that libertarian mindset, right? Yes. Like choice. It's about those individual choices. As long as you're not actively harming someone else, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't give a shit. Whatever. Wear five masks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't care. Scream up and down that I don't know. It's a fake. It's a fake disease mm-hmm. that. I don't know, some bat gave everyone because someone ate a rancid bat. I don't get, whatever, man, just whatever. Yeah, Ozzy. Ozzy, man. He was the inspiration. No, he, he, he's the poster child, man. He, he hasn't known how to care for a while. Yeah. Um, That boy is a walking corpse, but, um, what kill you does make you stronger, right? I guess. He's bulletproof. Holy Lord. Yeah, he is. Um, but yeah, I just, I just agree. And it was so, it, it's because looking back, this will be in the geek out section of the program, the nerd part section of the program. This will be really, really interesting to watch how it's taught and people study it 30 years from now, mm-hmm. 80 years from now, because it was the perfect storm because it came full force right as we were going through this very contentious very contentious election mm-hmm. where and this some this is another thing that's bothered me is the juxtaposition between 
and I'm going to use a lot of they's and people and whatever it is, but where there's so much stress on the individual, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, if you think one thing, you are automatically put in that group and assigned all of the characteristics that society has attributed to it, right? If you voted for Trump, you automatically are racist. Mm -hmm. You automatically are bigoted. Mm-hmm. You, whatever, you automatically are a misogynist. Automatically. But at the same time, everyone's individual freedoms should be respected. That's been the tough part for me is that that's been the same message, but yeah. they butt heads. So now at a time where it's so conflicted like that, that's the backdrop for something that this generation, that the, the people alive right now haven't seen. I mean, I know there was whatever people keep citing in 1905 or 1920 or 1915, whatever disease it was, the Spanish flu, oh, the Spanish flu yeah. whatever it was, where they had those weird Phantom of the Opera masks that they wore. That's right. Wah. Mask, gray mask. Yeah, no doubt. You forgot to cover your mouth there, dummy. But that's what people are going to be saying about us in a while. But anyway, in a time where, a time that is so, so contentious, now there's this huge, huge issue that, calls for a unified front but that just fractures even more so now perfect storm it just becomes politicized that quick so now it's tough to be able to have this and this it's either you think this or you think this you there like in the beginning as wild as it was not in the beginning a part way through you couldn't be like i don't know a Democrat and hate the virus. Yeah, it's almost like what's my team want? That's what I gotta that's who I gotta root for. Right. Yeah. That's a weird thing. It's like in the locker room, mm-hmm. that's a perfect metaphor. In the locker room, it's like your coach, which is the head of your team. In the locker room, your coach is telling you that, you know, I want you to stand out and be who you are as a person. But then as soon as you get in the arena, you're on our team. Mm-hmm. Name on the back doesn't mean diddly. Yeah. That's like the metaphor for it, which is so confusing and so conflicting. And now it's this and that. And what am I supposed to do? And, oh, I can't think that because that person over there thought that when at the end of the day, just pick. Yeah. Just pick what makes sense for you. It does not make sense for me to, I don't know, I th- not fly. It doesn't make sense for me to stay in my house for eight months. Yeah. Well, I, so I look at the problem with, like you said, the perfect storm. And, and I think, um, I'm a pretty open-minded person. I'm a pretty like, let's take everything with a grain of salt because especially when you're seeing stuff on, um, like I think right now the media in general, which largely can sway a narrative, I think is the most irresponsible media we've had in history right now. Probably. In history. And I don't think there's another time where everything is – and you can watch it, and this is every side angle, whatever you, you want to look at. Majority of the stuff that I find either on a news segment or someone that's supposed to be pushing out news, pushing out a story, pushing out whatever, what we see mainstream, there is some level of agenda that they are pushing with the narrative, depending what they want to cover, depending on what talking points they want to bring up, depending on the spin they want to put on it. And the problem, again, and... I love watching um, the nightly – I like watching the local news. We watch the local news 
every day while we're making dinner, hanging out with the kids. News is on. I, I like to know about the weather. I like to know about local stuff that's happening. I like to know about events. I like to know about, you know, the city of Plattsburgh passing something on doing this somewhere in downtown. Like, or, or this, the board had a meeting on this and this was a, a hot topic. Like, I like knowing that because local politics. As soon as 630 comes around and it turns into the national news, I turn it off. Because they spend 28 minutes of this doom and gloom. Everything's on fire. We're getting headlines. We're causing you to think one way or the other. And I said, I can only watch so much news that focuses on the coronavirus, politics, um, uh, equality, all this stuff that's just being jammed down. Every, like, and it's, it's combative. And like, I look at that. It's like, okay, like I, I take like the COVID stuff. I think that one, I want to know factual stuff about it. Like, I don't want your opinion. I don't want all of a sudden mm. we're finding out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, like, yeah, I just yeah, want to yeah. know the facts of it. I don't want to know your spin on it. I don't know. I don't really care what you think needs to be done in the sense of, well, this is my viewpoint. Therefore, that is now the facts. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, tell me, you know, when does the virus happen? How long does it last for? What are the symptoms? Who does it affect the most? Like, give me like the actual fact-based stuff and people can make opinions on it. Yeah, then, then let me pick. Let me decide. Yeah, and then you keep going through all this other stuff. And when you start realizing more and more, because you're, I think you're starting to get people that are fed up with the way the media, um, and this is not like a specific category. Like CNN's bullshit, Fox News is bullshit. All these new, all these, they all have their own agendas. They have their own spins. They have their own talking points. They want to push a narrative. I think the thing that we're lacking now and I, in general is people that just base the facts the best you can and try to keep your opinion out a little bit. Or if you want to have an opinion, just say like, listen, I'm coming from this angle. But I think that the idea of you push something out as a narrative and saying this is what you have to believe, I think is, is irresponsible. And I think if you if somebody has an opinion on something – I think that's fine, and then you can have a debate, but I think if you say that something is automatically valid or not valid based on what you believe, yeah. that's not – like you shouldn't be doing that. And that yeah. comes down with politics where it's like – like you said, if you believe this, then you shouldn't believe in that. Like couple, like take two sides of the coin. Like on a national level, I'm a very moderate person. Like I think most most things that come down the pipe, if you're saying here's like major national categories, I would say, okay, what's the facts? And I'll make individual decisions. I'm not saying I'm with that person or that person or group or group. So like there's certain things that I look at that, are, you know, every president or administration, I'm like, I like that. I don't like that. I like that. I don't like that for both sides because I'm not a one side size fits all person. And I think the problem, like you said, if people are pushed into a bucket, if they're like, you believe this, now you're therefore you're in that bucket. Yeah. Where, like, I think at the end of the day, if you broke down every single thing and what was out there for people, like, I think I'm very considerate to other people. I think I really try to see that through their lens and kind of like, and, and say, okay, let me hear your opinion and... And I can draw an opinion based on that. And I might agree. I might disagree, but it's giving me a different perspective. And I got a lot of that with talking to people like in the podcast too, because some people come across and I know they're, they sway one way or the other, or they'll make comments that are maybe different than my opinion. And I don't look at them as being bad. I don't look at them as being wrong. I don't look at them as being an idiot. I look at them as saying they have an opinion. They're a human. They have a brain. They can do whatever they want. And whoever's, you know, whatever's caused them to have that opinion, that's their reality. Yeah. And well, and that goes back full circle coming to what you're talking about, about the, the nature of a podcast and why it's so nice mm -hmm. because it is that stripped down conversation where that can happen. 
because money talks, money walks, right? Yeah. So to make the most amount of money, I need the most amount of advertisers. So I need the most amount of viewers. At this point, I already know that I've lost half of the viewership because they believe separately Mm -hmm. from what we're going. So we're just going to double down on this. Same thing the other way. And then your social media sites have these brilliant algorithms. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so objectively, it is fascinating. In practice, it's, um, it's super toxic. Shout out Britney Spears. Yeah. Um, because again, if I'm Facebook, I want you spending as much time as face on Facebook as possible. Mm-hmm. Scrolling, that's how, whatever. Because yeah. that's how we win. Mm-hmm. So that algorithm is gonna just keep spitting out stuff you like to see. So I, you're just gonna double down on this, this, this. Whether it's you like hearing people talk about X or you love seeing people put down Y. Whatever it is, keep scrolling. You're just going to keep seeing it, and you're going to see more of it, and you're going to see more of it, and then you're going to turn on the tube and watch a group of people present you information that's in a way to make you have a gospel church moment where you say preach because you're not going to change the channel now because you agree what feels good. What feels good is being given information that you already believe is true. So just... Have people give you information that confirms what you already believe, which is weird in this case because mm-hmm. talk about your vortex. They're the ones that let you know to believe it in the first place. Well, I think, um, yeah, it's kind of like who you who you follow. And I had a, a person that I follow and a verified person. So we'll just big wig, verified. Blue check? Huh? Blue check? They had a blue check. They have blue Dude, check. that is it, man. Next level. I would love check. to get a blue check. Just just to say I had one because it just looks cool. Next Hashtag time. blue check. I want to get you one. And it's not even that. I just want to make sure that people know like like at Galen Trombley is different than the real Galen Trombley. It's just different than GT, which is like just make sure there's only one of me. So Yeah, there's only one check. All, the, all those fake accounts. <laughs> the, uh, but so this one person I had followed and... I had seen something he had said or whatever, and it tagged him. So I clicked. It was kind of like you go down that vortex. You find like a story, and you click oh, yeah, on something, yeah, yeah, and the next yeah. thing I know, I'm yeah. like, oh, I haven't seen this guy in a while. Yeah. What's he up to? And then I'm like, wow, that's weird. I'm not following him. So I click on it. So I just thought it was weird, so I clicked on the whole thing, and then I ended up sending him a DM that I followed him, and when I followed him, it said something along the lines of, like, are you sure you want to follow this person? They've had misinformation, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, this guy's not like that polar. I don't think Weird. that polarizing. He has an opinion, but I don't yeah, think he's that polarizing. Yeah. yeah. So before I accepted it, I screenshot it and I sent it to him on a direct message. Now, I had already direct messaged him in the past on something. Yep. Something very simple. I think it was, I, I forgot what it was. And I usually don't DM like people I don't know, but it was something, it was, a, it was a nice thing. And he actually was like, hey, I really appreciate the feedback. I think he was asking for feedback about a podcast he'd done. And I said, cool. I, just, I like the format, blah, blah, blah. And I just was giving him a little, you know, just, just an opinion. And he goes, I really like that. Thank you. And this was like three years ago. So I sent it to him and I'm like, hey, just so you know, like I was following you. I am now... I was some reason not following you anymore. So I had to refollow you. And when I refollowed you, they put this disclosure up and he goes, yeah, you're not the first person that sent me that. Like they were having, having people unfollow him. So like the, whatever the algorithm was, they were going in and taking it yeah. off of my thing. And I know there's something else 
they switched around where there's sensitive content. You have to go in and unedit it to switch it over where you can see everything. Because what they do is they block things they don't think you should see. And the problem with that, and you've, I think, what, what is it called? Um, is it ghost something? Where like if you type someone's name in, they don't it, pop up. They don't pop up as a suggestion until you type in their full handle. Oh. So some people will have that, and if they're like polarizing or don't fit yeah, the yeah, message yeah, yeah, board, yeah, yeah. then if you tried to type them in, that you would have to actually type in. If you don't follow, this is if you don't follow them. If you like, I think Joe, happened Joe Rogan. If you type in, start typing in Joe R, and like he wouldn't it's pop up until you typed up. in all of Joe Rogan, and then he would pop up. So the whole idea was he would not come as a suggestion for you okay. unless you really knew his handle. Yeah. And that was starting to happen to people where anybody that was like conflicting, they were not being, you just couldn't search them like I could search any normal person. They were putting some type of barrier to entry to try to yep. this, this, um, get people not to follow them. Now, the, the issue that I have with all that, and I'm not saying people are right or wrong, but if you always go back to the idea that we have a first amendment, which is freedom of speech. Everybody's got like in the United States, it's part of the constitution. Like you have a first amendment to the right to free speech. If that's the case, if that truly is the case, then really, unless you are truly harming somebody, your opinion, you can say your opinion, you have the right to that opinion. And the one thing that I don't understand is that in the world of social media, if people are saying their opinion and then are getting pulled down or getting blocked or getting, you know, losing their right to go on, which has happened to many people. Well, they're falsifying information. Therefore, we can't put them on. Number one, that's a freedom of speech. They have that right. So then then you look at it as does the company. So this could be fa uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah. They've all been accused of this. Do they have the right to censor those people or kick them off the platform? And then some people say, well, yes, they're a company. They can do that, which I say, I fully, I, I think that is valid. Like if I didn't want to have somebody associated with Kavanaugh, I could try to kick them out of, I say kick them out. It could be a, a bad client. It could be a bad agent. It could be something where I just don't want them associated with us because I think it's bad for business. our culture or business or whatever. But then at the end of the day, we're also a private company. Those are all public companies. So then I also look at it as if you've took, taken the choice to go public on that and use your public profile where you have stocks, um, you have shareholders and you have, mm. you know, at that point, do you lose that, that foundation of a, of a private business where you have say, where you do kind of turn it over to public, a public domain. And I don't know the rules and regulations on that. Oh, but, hell no. I, but got, to me, I have no clue. But it, but to me it would seem, and again, I'm just saying it from like me just kind of thinking through the processes. If they can block you from saying something that is at the end of the day, an opinion, just as someone else would say it's opinion, but that person might say they think that person's wrong. They think that person's wrong, but the person with the control is saying, well, we're going to side here. Therefore you're wrong. And I think that's dangerous to go down that route because you're, you're starting to censor people that, and again, they might be right. They might be wrong. But I said at the end of the day, they do have a freedom to do that. So I said, if you truly are looking at a country that's free and that does, people can say stuff, I think it's for the consumer to try to filter through stuff. And again, if you look at a company, any of these news stations that are trying to push a narrative, they're in the company, they're a business, they're trying to make money. What sells? Doom and gloom sells. Um, gossip sells. Um, you know, conflict sells. And at the end of the day, that's the kind of stuff that is going to make money for them. I think from like, 
I would have a hard, hard, hard time working at a company like that. If I, excuse me, if I knew the intent was like that, where it really wasn't the, to produce the news, it was more to produce a narrative to make money. That's why one of my favorite things that happened over the pandemic was uh, John Krasinski, um, young Jimmy Halpert. Remember when he came up with some good news? Do you remember that? It was on It was on YouTube. He did like ten episodes, right? Heart of the pandemic, mm. and it was called Some Good News, okay. which is basically like you take a look at it. It's really like some of the. I mean, some of those freaking things are tearjerkers because, but it's like. We're just going around the world and finding good news. Yeah, because right? yeah, yeah, everything's yeah, yeah. doom and gloom. But let's find some. Like, it's not bad out there. Like, it's we're going through some stuff, but all we see is negative. It's like there's more good than bad in the world. Like, yeah. without a doubt. And I said the problem is the extremes are the ones that get the airwaves. Where it's like, how come the extremes that are probably one percent of the population or less are getting ninety percent of the airplay? Like, there's such a disproportionate amount there. Where it's like, if you're looking at the average person, you, me, the person you walk across down the street, that's of normal mental sanity would probably fall very close to somewhere in that very moderate middle of like, yeah, that's so true. That's been another interesting thing I've been getting more down with is what winds up being labeled as the silent majority, which is true because the other thing is that view doesn't sell. doesn't sell at our time. It's not entertaining what you and I believe right now. Mm -mm. It's not like, in terms of securing advertisers and rating, it's not entertaining because it, there's no there's no shock value to it. In my mind, it's actually a fairly common sense, and common sense isn't that entertaining. Mm -hmm. So there's this big group that probably fall just about right in line, right? Yeah. Eh, just kind of down the middle. Don't 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 mess but, with me. What I'm trying to do, I'm not going to get your in your way. Life's gravy. But if you take like an opinion, I'm not even saying my opinion's right. If I have an opinion, it doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean your opinion is wrong. It's just my opinion. Yeah. So like that's what I look at where people get uptight. Like if I said something, hypothetically because I have a podcast and people listen to it. If I say something that they agree with, then they'll be like, oh, I like that Galen. If they disagree with it, well, he's an, I, I don't like that guy. I'm, yeah, I'm what stopping to listen asshole. to his podcast. He's this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, well, why do you think that? And mm -hmm. if, if it's because you disagree with an opinion I have, which is totally fine. You're in every right to do so. And let me hear your opinion. Okay, yeah, I, I respect it. I don't agree with it, but I do respect your opinion and the right to have the opinion. And, I, and, and like I said, I'm willing to hear that opinion to help formulate my opinion because what, what could it do? It could disprove my opinion. It could evolve my opinion. It could make me feel more conviction for my opinion because I really think you doubled down and I'm like, eh, I really think I'm right. There's not, a wrong, there's not a wrong opinion. Like opinions are opinions. They're not facts. Like even if I think that, like based on facts, I could say right now the water's cold. I would say that's pretty factual that the water's cold. Like, but I, you know, if I was saying an opinion of like, I think it's crazy if someone goes into a swimming right now, well, that's not factual. That's my opinion. You could say, well, I really like taking a, a cold plunge because it helps my body and helps with all, like all the, 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 uh, natural benefits of that cold, uh, hot contrast doesn't mean jumping in the water is like a bad thing to do. I might say, I can't believe someone would jump in the water. It's crazy. But if I said the water's cold, well, yes, we can agree the water's cold, yeah, but sure. we don't have to agree that going for a swim in this water is, is, I might think it's crazy. You might say, well, I get actually a lot of health benefits from jumping in the water. For sure. And then all of a sudden now you have two different opinions. Yeah. So then question, do you think that, or what, what's your stance on someone who has a hard time swallowing someone else's opinion that really comes from a place of insecurity in them. Like if I send an Somewhere. opinion, you say one thing, mm -hmm. 
and I am just triggered. Yeah. I mean, triggered by it. Yeah. Does that come from a place somewhere? So, and who knows where within them, but doesn't that, well, that tips my hat on how I feel. Don't you think that comes from an insecure place? So, okay, so the way I would break that down, so this is my default. If I say something to you and you snap at me and you're triggered, you're mad, you're whatever, my, my first, my default goes to myself, meaning did I say something wrong? Did I miss something? Did yeah. I, what, like basically, did I not get, did I do something wrong yeah, yeah. where my, like, or did I not get all the information or did I act with not knowing facts? Yeah. I always go internal first. I never blame you. I literally go, my, my, this is my pecking order. Yep. Galen first. Okay. Did I say anything wrong? Did I do anything wrong? Did I not think something through? I don't believe so. doesn't mean I'm right or wrong. It's just, I don't believe so. Okay, good. Check that box. Like that, I don't think is the issue. Next issue. What? Is there something that could have, is there something going on in your situation that I don't know of that's causing you to be upset? And that could be, you had a bad day at work, just, just off today, could have been right before you got here, you found out something happened to a close friend or a family member, you could have just had a bad conversation with a coworker, now you're here and now I'm getting the brunt of that. I kind of look at from an empathy standpoint of like, okay, Brace is upset. I don't think I did anything wrong is okay. Let me just take a step back. Is there something else that he might be going through right now? And I would then try to find, be like, Hey, I'm so sorry. Like, did I miss something? I would try to talk it through and say, listen, like, like, why do you feel that way? I'm not like, I, I like it. And it's not the sense of saying, I think I'm wrong. It's just, I, I can tell there's a conflict. I can tell that you don't agree with me. And let me just get on the same page because most issues are miscommunication. So it's just like, is there an issue with what I said or what you like, we're just on the same page. Like, yeah. like kind of walk me through your thought process right now. Because again, I might be wrong, but Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean this. I didn't realize that. I'm so sorry. But then I could be like, if you talk to me and all of a sudden I just felt like you were just, there was something going on and like you couldn't really articulate or anything else. Then I, I still want to get mad at you. I would look at, is there something that's causing this in that person's life? Yeah. Could it be, I mean, you take a lot of people, it could it be a bad home life. Could it be not something bad in their career? Could it be something like just mentally not there right now? You know, could there be, could there be all these things that are affecting you that because of that, the input into you is affecting, could you say there's an issue you have, and there's plenty of people right now, like in, in the world that I know that like, I would deem are just not nice people at times. And I, I look at that, I'm like, well, how are they not nice or how are they conniving or how are they like undercutting like that? It, and I, I kind of thought about this last week and it was actually funny to bring it up. We're all born as babies. Like we literally come out of the womb not knowing anything. You know, you just come out and you're like trying to breathe for the first time. And I don't bring it back simplistically, but it's the, it's, it's what we've experienced from birth up until now that shapes the person you are and the person yeah. I am. So if you look at all that, Something could have happened to you, you know, 15 years ago that still is scar tissue on you that causes you to act a certain way now, but then it's, is it really Bryce or was there an underlying issue that caused him to be that way? And if there was an underlying issue with Bryce, then it's like, can I one empathize with that or help him get through that without saying you're an idiot? Well, no, maybe he's not. Maybe this chain of command happened throughout his life and now it's to the point that he is in this not good place. And I think um, 
that's the kind of stuff that I, I read this book the other day. I've been trying to read more. So when you go back to like habits and stuff, that was one of the things okay. I tried to pick up. So, um, one of the books that I've read this year, there was a story and the guy, and to kind of put this in perspective is the guy was getting, who wrote the book was getting ready to do an interview with Oprah. Okay. Okay. And naturally he was intimidated to interview Oprah. I would be too. Oprah knows what she's doing when it comes to interviewing people. She's been doing it for decades. So he asked if he could ride to the event with Oprah and just kind of ask her some questions. Basically, like, let, teach me how to interview so I can interview you. And he asked her, he goes, how do you get people to give you, like, really heartfelt answers and you really, like, draw out stuff out of people? And she started saying, well, what I always start with is I always tell people what do you want to accomplish with the conversation? What do you want to get across? And then she says, just trust me. Like, just put your trust in me that I'm going to lead you to where we need to be in this conversation. Meaning, like, she had a confidence. I know what I'm doing. I have, you know, just like, I'm not going to throw you under the bus. Just be, just, if I ask you a question, just roll with it. Trust that I'm asking you the right thing. So she started talking about this, and he's kind of answering. And she goes, I want to tell you a story about this guy. So this guy was a convict. He got picked up when he was like 19 or 20. Went to, I think like a max security prison in Detroit and basically worked his way up the ranks to become kind of like the head of like one of the prison like powerhouse. Like I want to say they didn't call themselves gangs, but they were based on like religion. But inside the internal part of the prison was these people were um, – he had like five or six. It was almost like a West Side Story. He had the sharks and the oh, jets. Yeah. So it was kind of like that. Oh, yeah. Everybody has these little groups. So he kind of rose up to be like the head person of this group. Started out like 19, coming in. Day one, he gets out of like quarantine, kind of simulate you in. Guy gets stabbed in the neck. And he's like, oh, okay. Like this is like day one of prison. Guy gets yep. stabbed in the neck, dies. Like, so then he's like, oh, crap. Okay. And then one of his thoughts was like, do I have the stomach to – like he had killed somebody kind of as like a quick reaction. Like that's how we got in. He killed somebody, but it was like, it was more of like a, uh, like a, um, a gut reaction kind of movement. Like he didn't plan to kill that person. This guy that walked up and stabbed this guy in the neck. Yeah. Premeditated. Premeditated to kill that guy. With it so then in his head, he's like, yourself. am I able to do that to do as that. a person? Cause I'm Hell living yeah. in prison where that's could happen. Yep. So that was like his first initial, like I got to figure this out. So long story short, he goes through this whole thing. So Oprah asked him, okay. When did you turn to violence? Like when, when did you like go off the rails for this? Now he's out. Now he's out. He's helping prison reform. He's 60 something years old, but that's his thing. So she had asked him that and he goes, well, I started turning to violence. I got in some bad, I got in some gangs, you know, kind of in my, you know, teenage years and high school years, blah, blah, blah. And Oprah had read a book that he had kind of done a memoir and she goes, she goes, okay. But she goes, what happened when you were nine? Tell us about the story with your mom at age nine. And he kind of is like, eh, yeah, and he goes, well, no, no, tell me about it. She goes, trust me. Like, she kind of got brought that out of him. Like, trust me. So he goes, well, I came home with nine years old, came home with a straight A report card, perfect report card, all excited, ran up to mom, show mom, mom threw a vase at his head. Like, I don't know what triggered it. Could it have been like, screw you, kid. You think you're better than us because you've yeah. seen that narrative before. Whatever it was, but you have a nine-year-old kid, which – Again, my kids are younger. Your kids are approaching that, it, or at least your oldest is. It's like, yeah, yes. Imagine him coming with a straight report card and Jess throwing something at him, and him going from elated to like, 
oh my God, I don't even have the approval of my own mother from something that I did really well. So Oprah basically said, you chose violence at nine because you put up your guard. You, you found out at age nine that you, no matter what you did, no matter how good you were, you didn't have the acceptance of your own mother. So therefore, in your mind, you couldn't trust people. You thought that no, whatever I do, I can never be good enough. And the whole idea was, again, going d- deeper and deeper into it. It wasn't when you shot the guy. It wasn't when you were in the gangs. If you had to go yeah. all the way back, it was when you lost that, you know, that acceptance of your own mother, where then it's, you started to kind of you know, go off the rails because that had put up so much like scar tissue on you that you just couldn't break through. And it took time and obviously in prison and 30 something years in prison for him to kind of, you know, rethink everything and come out and be a better person for it. But that was like the story. So like, that's when you talk about someone having been triggered by something. I look at it as there's got it. There's something that causes that person to have that opinion. It causes that somebody to snap on somebody. It causes somebody to push an opinion on somebody like You'll never hear me tell somebody right now, you should wear a mask, you should get vaccinated, you should do. I will not say that. I don't care. Whatever you want. What do you want to do? You want to do that? Great. Do it. That's you. That, like that. You live your life. I make my decisions. You make yours. And I don't berate other people for what they, you know, what they should do. I'm just against people telling someone they should do something when it should be their choice to do it, not someone telling them they should do it or making them feel bad that they have a different opinion. Like if you're like, I think this, and I'm like, well, you should think that. You should think like me. Therefore, you're a bad person. Like, nah, that's not fair. Either way, like either side. Damn. There's an answer. Perfect. See that? See what I draw to you? Oprah ain't got nothing on me. Oprah, mm-hmm. good. I trust you, Bryce. I just no, trust you. No, good. No, 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 no. And no, because that, that's, that, that's where I was coming from with it is like, and by coming from a place of insecurity, I'm not saying that to assign fault to someone. Like this whole thing, like you're insecure, there's something wrong with you. There's something bad about you. That's not true. It's just we all have insecurities about different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, uh, I agree all the way uh, that if you are that upset by, some, by something someone else said or did, unless that someone is in your close circle, like your mother throwing a vase at your head, mm-hmm. that's going to hit home. Yeah. But if someone outside of that very small core group of people that really, really matter... And it, and it throws you that much. There's something somewhere mm-hmm. that's unsettled in you that you kind of need. To, I, I don't even know if reconcile is right. You just need to be aware of, I think. So that way, because honestly, what the hell does it matter what, I mean, what, what I say? Like, yeah. it, like if I went off yada, yada, yada on a post, what yeah. the hell does that matter? I would scroll by it and just keep going. It's, it, yeah. it has no bearing. Mm-hmm. There's no bearing. I am so far away from any blue check. I have no input on public policy. I don't have a captive audience that is actively doing things based on the gospel according to Bryce. What does it matter? Mm-hmm. It's nothing. That opinion's nothing. I don't know. Yeah. That's the soapbox portion of the program, for me at least. No, I hear you. I, th- I think you, you take care of yourself and, and be kind to other people. That's all it is. It's like, I, I think, you know, one thing I've noticed too, as I've gotten older, and I know you can relate to this, especially being married, having kids and, and yep. having responsibilities, is that life is hard and life yeah. is, and, and I think that, I know that's kind of a simplistic way to say it, but when you see people that are struggling or you see people that have, you know, are not 
up to your standards per se. Say, say for some reason you look down on this person or disagree with somebody. At the end of the day, I, I don't think people set out in life to be a bad person. I don't think they set out in life to make other people's lives miserable. I don't think someone wakes up at the beginning of the day and says, I really hope I piss off 10 people today. I don't think people do that. I think people get up and live their life, and I think whatever they project through whatever we just talked about would be the thing. Like if you were to sit there again, we'll go back to the baby issue, like their situation, put 30 babies in a room. Like nobody's actively trying to hurt each other. Like babies aren't. And again, this is, but the idea is through life, we've grown, we experience stuff. Like you get all these different things. That's why you talk about like the innocence of a child, which is what I'm experiencing now because my kids are young. But I do know there's a difference with my son now than when he, when, now that he's gone to school when he didn't because he's with other kids his age. So he's starting to like, well, that I was embarrassed because of this. I didn't like this person doing that. He's starting to get that interaction with other kids that are his peers. Therefore, he's starting to make decisions based on that just, instead of just being, I'm this person and I'm just doing whatever and I don't care. Where my one-year-old son, he doesn't care. He's fl- he's rock, you know, crawling around, smiling, giggling, laughing, doing whatever. He'll pull on my, you know, our kids and they'll, pu- they'll push him and they'll be like, they're annoyed at him and he's just like, why'd they push me? Like he's, you know, he's just a kid. He just living like a little baby. And I think as you get older, more things affect your perspective. More things affect the way you, you do stuff. And I think, um, you know, some people allow themselves to get triggered by certain things. Some people can shrug it off and be like, hey, I got whatever. It's not that big of a deal. And I think that at the end of the day, it's always going to happen. And I think if um, you kind of talked about like the soapbox aspect of it is I think right now there's a lot of really good people in the world, more so than bad people. But I think if people keep being diverse, um, I say diversified, not diversified, but keep being like split, I should say like pre- like. Yeah, I'm on this side, you're on that side, therefore I don't like you. At the end of the day, that's not gonna. You need strength in numbers, and you, and you need you need you need differencing opinions. You need to draw out people. You need to challenge people. You need to, you know, if I learn from somebody and I think they have a good opinion, like my opinions have changed in the last ten years, and I expect that they're going to change in the next ten years on certain on certain subjects. But you know, I I only get that through experience and through talking and discussion. So experience and discussion will draw out, you know your opinion and perspective. Like if I just have an experience, that's fine. But like, that's just my, my reality of what I know. But then if you say I had a totally different experience and maybe clue something in my head, like, Oh, maybe that's not the only way to do, or maybe that's not bad. Or maybe that I'm not right. Like what, what are you saying? And like, actually that makes more sense. I'm going to now believe that because that to me makes more sense. So that's where you need the, you need to experience stuff, but you also have to discuss with people their experiences because that's the only way to really broaden. And and I think kind of sharpen that, you know, whatever it called, like sharpen the ax. Like you, you, you need to keep evolving as as a person and learn and, and draw stuff where if you're like, if you're someone that's ignorant and saying, I know everything right now and no, 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 nothing anybody's going to tell me is going to make me learn more. Yep. You're fooling yourself. Like I try to learn every day. I, I try to read a lot. I try to watch a lot of like, you know, informational stuff. I try to listen to informational stuff. I try to talk to people and I'm looking at, can I be better than I was yesterday? And, and, and sometimes it might be better in the sense that I listened to something or I heard something that I didn't agree with, but then it solidified my position on something. And, and but every day you should be inputting information into your, into your, well, again, opinion, you shouldn't do this. I like to input stuff into my brain every day that will allow me to kind of expand my thoughts and my horizon and, and, and stuff. But 
Some people do, some people don't. I think that's the right way to do it, but somebody could say, well, you're just overloading your brain and I just want to just chill and live life and, and just go with the flow. Perfect. That's good. If that's what you believe, then do that. Like, I'm not going to tell you not to do it. Like, you know, so everybody's got a little bit of, you know, what works best for them. And as long as you're not hurting somebody, like if long, as long as you're not like harming somebody, you know what I mean? Then I think you're fine. Yeah. So that's what I mean. That's where it goes or that's where it starts or that's where it comes from for me. Um, very honestly. That I, and the funny thing is that's been, that's been, that's been one thing that has remained consistent from me for a long time. And by that, I mean like since I was 15, right? Because obviously you start changing your mind on things. A lot of it in the beginning is the household you're raised in. Then a lot of it is your core friend group. And then, hey, if you go to college, I mean, who knows who the hell you're going to wind up talking to there. And you get some, Mm -hmm. there are some ideas, right? Like there are some ideas and there are some brilliant minds there. And there are some people who have real world experience that you can draw from. But then there are other people who the university setting is the only place in which they can thrive. There just are those professors where yep. they can do textbook, they can do theory in practice. Eh, yeah, eh, I don't know, but, but and then let's say you move further along, and at again, sorry, by you, this is very much from my experience, right? You leave school, and you know you feel supercharged with this young, invigorated spirit, which, generally speaking, if you go to a small liberal arts college like I did that will be generally a more liberal point of view on things. Mm -hmm. Just how it is. Especially, holy, like me, if you're a sociology major, come on. I went to a small liberal arts school in the center of New York State. I majored in sociology. What do you think I was thinking when I left? But then, as you continue to grow, develop, I I become a father. Mm -hmm. Now I'm raising a family. Now I'm helping to run a household. Now I don't have a job. I have a career with a genuine, a a career that relies on the health of the local economy around me. Now that is a drastically different person, drastically different perspective than someone who can only boast a piece of paper saying I got good enough grades where they said you don't have to come back here anymore. But through that whole transition, for whatever reason, the one thing that has remained constant is as long as you're not hurting anybody, do you, boo. That's, the, that's it. Mm-hmm. As long as, you, again, you're not actively putting someone else down and for the purpose of hurting them or physically hurting or trying to incite hurt. Whatever. Do you, I don't know. Do your thing. One of my... Uh Oh, also, the other part of that is as long as you also aren't preventing someone else from doing something. So not just hurting, but as long as you're not like standing in the way of someone trying to realize what they're going after. Mm-hmm. Do you, boo? Well, I think um, one, one, of, like, one of the pillars, if you, you kind of look at like what, what's some principles in your life that you want to, you know, you want to live by, you know, what's your 10 commandments, whatever you want to say. Like um, one of the things I always I always look at is just doing stuff with the right intent does not mean you are correct. Does not mean, yeah. you know, in a sense that if I, 
I do it all. I, I, I always go back to it in my life. If I make a decision at home, in work, in business, tell somebody something, I really try to think through my decisions depending on the level of the decision. Sometimes it's just quick. I'm like, yeah, do that. Sometimes it's, okay, this could affect more people or I got to deal with this person emotionally or I got to deal with this situation. I have to put a little more thought into this situation. And then based on my experiences, based on my opinion of certain things, I formulate a decision. And from that decision, that could either be very smooth. People are like, yeah, sounds good. I could ruffle some feathers. And no matter what that, I guess, effect of my decision is, I, I really can't prevent that opinion. Like if I say something to you, I oh, can't, yeah. I you can't, have no control over I a reaction. No, correct. I have no control with your reaction. So yeah. I always look at the only thing I can control is my, what I can control. I can control that decision. And I control that decision through my experiences, my discussions with other people, my knowledge of whatever the facts of only of what I know as facts that formulates my decision. But if that decision is made with the correct intent and if it's made with the correct intent, I got it right. Yeah. Most people don't remember that decision. It gets swept under the rug. Everybody's good. We move on to the next thing. If I make that decision, I believe with the correct intent and the person doesn't think it's correct, or it actually ends up being the wrong decision for whatever reason. Like I just, one of those things, I thought it was right, it was wrong. What do I do? I can admit that it was wrong. I could admit I said the wrong thing, but I don't beat myself up over it and say, like, that was a bad thing to do. I always, and this is something I, I one of, like the best thing my dad's ever told me was, just make sure you can go to bed at night with a guilty con, with a guilt-free conscience. That's it. Meaning, I can go to bed. I can go to bed at night and I can live with myself. And not that I can't, not that I get home and things don't stress me out or things don't bother me or things don't make me second guess things or things make yeah, me oh, overthink. No, always, that will happen. But if I really look down at it and say, did I make that decision or did I do that with a bad intent? If the answer is no, you did it with the right intent. You tried to do something positive. You tried to. You know, you tried to make the what you thought was a correct decision, then you're fine. Like, yeah. I'm gonna make mistakes. I will. I 100% will. If I really believe I made a mistake, I will say I made a mistake. Now, if somebody's like, "Well, you made a mistake," and I don't think I made a mistake, like you always get the adage of, "Well, you never admit when you're wrong." I'm like, "Oh, I'll admit when I when I'm wrong or when I think I'm wrong." But again, that's also an opinion. Yeah. If you think your opinion, well, you never admit when you're wrong. I said, "Well, you think I'm wrong." I might still think I'm correct. I think my decision was the right decision. Therefore, I, no, I'm not going to, you know, because some people are like, well, you know, you didn't apologize. I'm like, no, I don't think I did anything wrong. And it's not because I'm ignorant or anything like that. I'm like, if your reaction was a negative reaction, it doesn't mean that I tried to do that. And I was trying to force that reaction. Yeah. I'm so I can't, that. I can't like at that point, it's like, I, what do you want me to apologize for? Like I, I, apologize for what I thought was correct. Like I won't do that because I don't think I'm wrong. Like I don't, and it doesn't, that's an opinion. Like if, if I did something and I like lashed out at somebody and I hurt their feelings and I was like in a bat in like a point where I was apps when I was trying to hurt their feelings or I was trying to draw something out of them negatively, like, you know, or put them down or I knew something would cut into them. Yeah. That's on you. That's an intent. I should say, I'm sorry. Cause that, it's like same thing with my son. You went and you pushed your sister. Why did you push her? Well, she took my toy. So you were pushing her with an intent to hurt her or do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, 
But I'm saying if you strip it down to a little kid, what would make that little kid do? Apologize. But if he bumped into her and she got hurt, I'm not going to scold the kid because they both turned around at the same time and bumped heads. And now she's crying. I wouldn't get mad. Yeah. Well, you got to look where you're going. I'd be like, no, it's an accident. Yep. So it's kind of the same thing. If I say something and I do it with the right intent, then I will never say, like, I will never sit there and, and like, I, like, I'm sorry you feel that way, which people don't like that term. Like, I'm sorry you feel that way. But it's like, I, I really can't apologize Yeah, but if for you can something. say it genuinely, because I am sorry that you feel that way. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want anyone to feel that way. But here's my reasoning but that and was, why I said yeah, it. Yeah, and it's funny, it's funny you bring that up because my big, I'm huge on intent as well. Mm-hmm. So once again, we agree a thousand percent on this. My biggest lessons in intent so far have actually come from coaching hockey. Okay, explain because make decisions that parents and again, these kids are young. Yeah. We're not talking high school hockey. We're talking young kids under the age of 10 young kids. And uh, I'm coaching cause I love the game and I love working with kids specifically within sport because of what it teaches. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. It pushes you. It sucks. You fall down, you get up, you lose, you watch the other kid who's way better than you and you have to deal with that. It's really healthy. I love it. Um, but I'll make some decisions and then such and such parents don't agree with it. And then they're coming after me for these things. And it's like, Oh, I don't know what you're thinking. I'm not doing this for any other reason. I don't know what you think the intent is. I don't know who's wronged you in the past. Mm. I don't know where this cynical thing is coming from. Yo, I'm talking about seven and eight-year-olds. Yeah, I'm not trying to win a game. Mm-hmm. I just want them to be better. Wins and losses, again, yep. this depends on the coach. My philosophy, wins and losses right now, that doesn't matter. How are we playing as a team? How is that individual kid developing relative to the beginning of the year? I don't care not doing this or trying to prevent this child from doing that or trying to hold this child back. I'm trying to put all the kids in the best possible position for them to thrive as best as possible. That's the end all. That's where it starts and that's where it ends in front of the intent. And there've been a couple of times where I got uncomfortable, but then came back to the intent mm-hmm. and that's where everything came right back down. Blood pressure came back down, anger settled out and I was just, I, I know why I'm doing this. That's enough. Good night. Yeah. I, so I, co- funny you said that I had my, I coached soccer for eight years. First couple of years, I was assistant coach. Nobody blames the assistant coach at the end of the day. Like, so it's a very easy, you learn the ropes. You're not people, you're not really making the final decision. And if the final decision is made, they're not blaming you. Then I went down and I coached JV. I was the head coach of the JV team. So at this point, you know, 13, 14, 15 year old kids and, uh, you know, you make decisions. The first year I coached, I did not have a historic, like for our school, we had a very under, under, like it was not a good team. Underwhelming. It was an underwhelming team. We didn't have a lot of, um, studs. Well, the, the thing was too, our varsity took most of our better athletes up. Yeah. That's how so, that works. And that's how it works. So I knew, and again, we go back down the JV to me is a breeding ground for the varsity. Varsity Bingo. should be win and lose. JV, I try to win and lose. I try to instill that. But at the end of the day, I'm trying to develop kids. Develop. So they, once they get up there, they're prepared. And how do I know that? I, I played at that level. Like I, yeah. I know exactly. And I, I coached under the coach at the time. So it's like yeah. I, for beyond my, my actual playing career. So I remember making some decisions. 
I think I had four or five parents come up to me over the course of that season after the game to complain. And typically these were the kids that didn't get a lot of playing time or oh, of course, yep. fill in the blank of a typical parent um, issue. Yeah. And I remember one of the parents came over and got after me at an away game, came over at the end of the game, started kind of yelling at me, whatever. And of course I was kind of like, First off, my first thought is like, I would never do this. Like, I would never berate a coach. I would never. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, this guy's like in his 40s. He's yelling at me. And I'm like, I just, I'm like, okay, I'll hear him. I'm like, I just would never do this. I can't believe this guy's doing this. But whatever. He he said this piece. So his argument was that his son, I was not starting his son. Okay. So fine. I, I hear your argument. You're basically saying, I want my son to be a starter. At the end of the day, let's strip it down. You want your son to be the starter. So... Here's the reality of the situation and why I made the decision. My team at the time was not that good overall. His son, if I had to put, say I had 20 kids on the team, I would argue his son was in the top eight, nine, 10 best players on the team. Let's say top 10. Yeah, he's in the better half of your team. He's in the better half of the team. No doubt. But he wasn't starting. Okay, so the father looks at it. My son is one of the best top 10 players on the yeah, team. he should be a starter. He should be a starter. I'm like, okay, well, I respect that. But um, so first off, I'm the coach. I make up the strategy. Yeah, my of the call. Game. It's my call. So why wasn't your kid starting? Well, here's the reality of the situation. Our team is not very good. And because this is JV soccer and because I have to eventually get everybody into the game for a, a good chunk of time, not they don't have to be equal, but you know, I try to get kids in the game because I want to develop them for yeah. the next level. Because again, at varsity, you never know what kids are going to excel. So you got to give every, yep. you know, for the most part, Agreed. even kids that aren't the studs, they can grow into themselves. So I look at this, I'm like, okay, here's the situation. Your son does not go in the first 20 minutes of the game. Totally fine. I agree on that. He doesn't go in. Now, why doesn't he go in? The reason that he doesn't go in is because your son is one of my better defenders. If I was to put him in the front, in the top 10, when I had to re Yeah, we're going to get hosed the second half. We're going to get hosed because I'm now putting, I'm putting your son who's good with our best outside midfielder at the time. Yeah. So when I have to resub, my strategy was let's go with a better front line, not as great of a defense to start. And then what at the second half, when I had to put maybe my midfielders weren't as strong or forwards yeah. as strong, knowing that we'd have to spend more time defending. Bolster the defense. Then my, my defense would be up. So I was basically kind of dividing and conquering certain parts of the field. And your son having, having you know, probably is one of my top four defenders. And you think because he's not starting, therefore I'm missing that. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm very aware of your son. Your son's actually, I'm glad he's on the team. I'm glad he's in that position. Yeah. And I said, because he's not playing the first 20, but he's playing the second 20. So at the end of the day, they're both playing 20. And your son ends up, yeah. m- most time, will play a disproportionate amount of the second half. Because he, I, at that point, if I'm trying to win the game, I'll start putting my better players in. Because I kind of try to keep things a little more, you know, I was kind of like the first half, get rid of my obligation to make everybody play. And the second half, we're playing to win. And that's kind of how I always looked at that's it. Fair. Like when chips are on the table, I do want to instill the, the value of trying to win a game. Because I, that is an important thing when you get up to varsity. So at that point, I am going to put the horses out there to try to win the race. And at and that, but like when I look at that, I'm like, well, this parent just just obviously doesn't get this. And I had to explain it to him. And I'm like, this is not this is not a a negative to your kid. If anything, it's actually a compliment to your yeah, son. Yeah, it's a nod. And guess what? Your son has never said a word to me at practice. So if he's going home and complaining to you, I don't care. I don't care what he does outside. If he wants to complain to you, that's on him. But I said, 
you should not be having this conversation with me. He, he as, yeah. a, as a 13, 14, 15-year-old boy, should be able to come up to me as a coach and say, Coach, why am I not whatever? I had one kid who actually, I believe, did come up and talk to me. And I respect the hell out of him. Now, he yep. wasn't, wasn't going to get what he wanted, but, he, but I, he did his it. parents weren't one of the ones that came up and talked to me. He came up to me and, and ended up <sighs> complaining about something. And it, was, it was more about, like, why am I not playing? And I, and I told him, I said, because of this, this, and this reason. Like, and, and it was very, like, honest, this is why you're not playing. We've told you this before. You keep doing this. I've told you this before. Yeah. You keep doing this. So I said, until you learn not to do it. But I have way more respect for that kid than I do with the kid that, you know, complained to his dad and his dad came over and yelled at me. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, I, and, and again, not parenting's hard. So like my thing is in my head, if that ever happened to me, I would tell my son, like, go talk to the coach. If you got an issue, go talk to the coach. Like you can complain all you want. You're not going to fix it. Like you're better off just talking to the coach, getting on the same page as him or her yeah. and figuring out what the heck, you know, why I always looked at it. If, well, if you're not playing, there's probably a reason, either your attitude or your skill level. Yep. So why don't you get out the video games, go practice or change your attitude? One of the best. I don't know. Be a better teammate. Yeah. Be a better athlete. I don't know. So, um, Bryce, for the uh, sake of time, and because yeah, I was just gonna say I'm. Uh, I gotta pick up dinner. I actually have to pee and then go home and have dinner. I'm dinner. I'm dinner pickup tonight. So I got. All right. Roll. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up, Bryce. It's a wrap. Third al- time's a charm. Always a pleasure. I hope. No, I enjoy it. I hope we see uh, figure it out again. You will. I was gonna rag on you because I don't want you to fall into the uh, the uh, the graveyard. Well, the graveyard of failed. I- well, Podcasts. well, because he's got broad, broad shoulders and can take it, but you don't want to end up like Craig Cast. I know. Craig Cast, great. We're still waiting for Craig Cast to come back on the airwaves. We got a, I, I, I really been on that twice. I do like Matt Craig had a, a very good podcast. I thought it was a lot of fun. But Matt, you got to bring it back. It's, it's time. Don't worry. It's time. Same with Bryce. We're going to have we're going to have an onslaught of local podcasts coming back. Oh, so, yeah, boy. All right. Well, that's Bryce. Uh, Bryce Hansen, episode 179, Gail and Trombley Show. We're out. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.